0: We are so excited to share that DSO Connect is now on Patreon, where you can support us directly. Join as a patron and get exclusive access to a bonus podcast episode each month. Just $5 or $10 a month will be a huge help for us, and that's less than your monthly coffee budget. Has the DSO Connect podcast given you ideas and strategies to increase your studio's enrollment and retention? Have our weekly episodes encouraged you as a leader and an artist? Has the DSO Connect community group helped you and your business survive the pandemic? Our goal for DSO Connect and the podcast is to help as many studio owners as possible by delivering quality content and fresh new ideas each week. But we can't do that without your support. It takes equipment, software, expertise, money, and lots of time to produce our podcast. If you think our podcast has helped you gain or retain even just one student, that support pays for itself to find out more and to become a patron, go to patreon.com and search for DSO Connect or check out our linktree at linktree.com/dsoconnect. Thank you so much for your support. We can't do this without our community of studio owners. Hello and welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey i'm robin how's it going what's happening oh it's going
1: it's going it's the second week of class and people are rolling in here and it feels good it feels really good in fact yeah tuesday nights are theater classes and the theater room is right next door to my office and the walls are very thin and Theater classes do not sound anything like a ballet class. No. They are loud and, rock, you know, ruckusy and just shenanigans happening all over the place and I usually don't stay here on Thursday night on Tuesday nights because it makes me nervous as a ballet teacher um to hear all that, you know, noise that could be playing or could be work and I'm just not sure. So anyway, I um had to remind myself last night about what it was like in March and April of 2020, when it was sad and dark and lonely. And silent, and yeah. And I was like, you know what? Just let them scream. <laughs> <laughs> they're theater kids, just let them be wild. I'm glad they're here. Yes. There's nine of them, and that's a nice number for our theater class. And oh, that's great. Just hearing the, and being excited and um, it, it feels good. It feels good. I'm counting my blessings. We're still rebuilding, but um, we're on our way. We're marching towards the goal every day. So
0: Nice. Yeah. I, um, I hit my enrollment goal. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, my, my goal for the start of the season was 200 and I'm at 206 right now. Enrollments? Yeah. Good for you. Which is still not up to pre-COVID numbers, but mm-hmm. it's better than this time last year for sure.
1: Yeah, I, it's interesting that you say that because my enrollment goal pre, you know, back in like 2017, we decided our enrollment goal was 1,000 enrollments. Mm. And um, we just full steam ahead, worked on that, worked on that, worked on that. We made it to 1,000 enrollments in like 2019. Oh <laughs> And now we're down. Mm-hmm. But, but you said your enrollment goal was not the same number that you had pre-covid right my enrollment goal is a thousand right ah. now. so i'm not there yet so i have fallen short i guess i could change my goal to you know something else and then um then i could say i made it but i i, <laughs> I think i want to get i just want to keep that bar high yeah and, Because that's where we were and that's where we're going to be. And
0: that's what we're aiming for. Good. Good for you. Yeah, I definitely, I'm not going to like stop. (laughs) I'm not going to be content at 200. I would like to push and maybe get to like 250 this year would be amazing. But um, yeah, I feel like 200 is where I can breathe a sigh of relief. Like, okay, we're going to be okay this season.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And maybe the, the, the way to handle it is to have goals for like every six months yeah exactly yes of course my goal is a thousand but by january it's this Mm -hmm. and so i can do a little happy dance when i make the mark right but i can still see the long-term
0: goal exactly i need to wrap my head around that my um my customer care specialist slash right-hand woman, Brittany, was like, what are we going to do when we get to 200? We were like scheming up little things, you know, some, some way to reward ourselves when we got Spotted. to 200. And um, she was like, I'm just going to bring in a bottle of wine and we're going to sit on the floor in your office and we're going to drink a bottle of wine. It was like, that sounds great.
1: <laughs> That's great. When we hit a thousand, I took my admin team um, to my salon and we all got pedicures and manicures and nice. um, waxing and... And drank wine in the salon she's got like a really cute boutique room where we were able to just kick back and have like a private little session so
0: that's yeah but whatever
1: you do even if it's just like i'm bringing in cupcakes or whatever right do something exactly celebrate with your team yeah for sure all right so what are we talking about today today we're going to talk about injured dancers how we can kind of navigate through the injury with them and keep them engaged so that they can return to the studio
0: once they're healthy, and in good spirits. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the first step, of course, is injury prevention. Mm. Um, making sure that your staff is trained in some way in injury prevention. If you don't have, um, if you don't have any of that training readily available to you, I highly recommend um, searching out some sort of. Uh, continuing education program along those lines. I know that there's a lot of different organizations and and individual people who do that kind of training. So definitely, definitely um, establish some sort of injury prevention training for your staff. And then those same people can also, you know, talk to your parents, they can talk to your students. Um, I had Alexis Sams of uh, Arizona Dance Medicine, I think is what her business is called. She's amazing. And she came into my studio and did a seminar for my staff and then one for students and parents. And it was wonderfully helpful. I mean, wow. really, really great. So I highly recommend doing something along those lines um, for your staff and for your students.
1: Not only is that wonderful
0: Um, knowledge to impart
1: to your staff and your students and your parents but it shows your parents your customers that the physical well-being of your students is a top priority for you exactly and that you are incorporating their their physical health into all of the things that you do including your curriculum
0: right exactly i um I, well, I, I'm I'm hoping to make it an annual event, but uh, it, the first one was right before COVID, so it has not been annual yet. But I started a dance wellness day oh. the Saturday of the start of winter break. So, and that's when I brought Alexis in. Um, And then I, you know, have plans to do a similar situation with like a nutritionist or a mental health professional, Um, someone who can talk about, you know, performance, um, performance mindset and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I mean, I've got so many students who struggle with anxiety and depression. So just having someone come in to talk about that sort of thing would be really helpful too. So, um, you know, your, your guest artist programs don't always have to be movement classes. Mm-hmm. You can bring in people to talk about other aspects of dance in your, in your students' lives. Yes. And that's Do you charge definitely, for those? Do you charge the families? For- I, I include it in my company dancers' membership fees, um, but I charge for other dancers. And I invite, you know, members of the community and others, and I, you know, promote it to other studio owners as well. And um, I offer the teachers seminar our part to other dance teachers too. Um, so I, it, when, I've, when I've had it that one time in 2019 in December, um it was really successful, and I, I did wind up making a small profit from it, but enough to, to warrant doing it again, for sure.
1: Yeah, that's how I would handle it as well, because it really stinks when you go through all the effort to do something like that, and then the attendance is lackluster. So if mm-hmm. you include it in your company or your competition team fees, then you are pretty much guaranteed that you know 99% of those kids will be in attendance exactly all right so we want to definitely make sure that we are
0: doing our best to prevent injuries but they do happen and well one one quick thing before we before we talk about Um, when injuries happen. Um, We also want to make sure that our physical studio facilities are set up in such a way to help prevent injuries. So, we want to make sure that we've got good um, sprung floors. We want to make sure that we have good marley. And of course, all these things require money. Um, And so, maybe it's something that you're building towards in the future, but definitely not just throwing shower pan liner down on concrete and calling it a day. Um, You have to have at least some sort of padding like in my studios I have like a couple layers of neoprene padding underneath the wood floor and then the marley on top of that and so it's not a fully sprung floor but it's better than nothing and that's the studio that I inherited um and so eventually I do want to upgrade to fully sprung floors um, but at least I have some kind of cushioning.
1: Right, and if you are in a kind of a transitionary phase where you are upgrading some rooms, you might want to put the shower pan liner in your baby room, um, mm-hmm. not because we don't value our babies, but because they're not doing
0: as much. Job. 20 hours a week of dancing. <laughs> right,
1: right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And interestingly enough, I did have an experience with shower pan liner one year where our dancers were just getting this weird pain in their legs from dancing on the shower pan liner and That's so I interesting i don't know how to explain it but we swapped the 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 shower pan liner into a different room that they don't dance in as much and the complaints went away so
0: amazing
1: i know i don't know if it was like a stickiness issue where it was
0: too much stick and you had said torque or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was too much torque on their knees or something. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Who but you think? just
1: want to listen to these things and sp- and mm-hmm. also pay attention if you find that you've got kind of an epidemic of similar injuries. Like right. Let's say everybody is having knee pain. Years and years ago, we had like every, every week somebody else with knee problems and we were like, okay, we need to look at what's, mm-hmm. what's being, t- you know, how are these ballet teachers teaching turnout and um it it became evident to us that we had a teacher that was overworking their turnout and Mm. um so we had to adjust that so pay attention to what the injuries are and um don't be afraid to look honestly at your program to see or your facility to see like, is there something that we can be doing better in order to um, fix the situation and prevent injuries in the future?
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think the more communication that you can have among all of your teachers about problems or technique issues that they're seeing across different genres or styles of dance, the better because then you can catch things maybe before before they become problematic. Right, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So what do we do with the kids once they're injured? It's going to happen. It's it, it It doesn't, because you have an injured dancer, it does not necessarily mean that there's anything wrong with your program or anything wrong with your studio. Let's just get that out there. Right. Kids injure themselves. It happens. Right.
1: Um, but first, I think we need to establish, is this a real injury? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying not to believe, stu- uh, but, you know we, have all know, we all know that one kid who is always sitting down, To rest their ankle because (laughs) because i don't know maybe they don't like this combination or they don't like this class and it's just a it's like oh i need to get a nice pack and then when it's fun choreography rehearsal they're up again so we want to establish first that the that the injury is legitimate so when a student tells us that they are injured we um, require them to see a doctor, because we want to make sure that we're not doing anything that's going to harm them. So mm-hmm. we want um, a a note from a doctor saying what the situation is and what limitations um, the dancer may have that we need to work within.
0: Those. Yeah, things. we need we need a, a diagnosis and a prognosis and guidelines to follow when it comes to to how they're going to be modifying things in class if if they're dancing at all um but it's important to get that information from a doctor so that you're not pushing them too far and then potentially causing more problems right and that will nip in the bud
1: uh the i the the fake injuries because now, now the child realizes that they're going to be found out or their mom is going to have to pay the doctor bill and you know maybe they're they'll be miraculously cured
0: (laughs) what do you what do you say to parents who are like when you know is it like twice that they that the dancer has sit out and now you are talking to the parent and saying hey you need to go to a doctor about this what's your guideline there um I usually defer
1: to my ballet director who usually has much more knowledge about you know anatomy and you know the body than I do. And mm-hmm. I will say, let's have the ballet director take a look at the child and kind of you know ask some certain questions, have them demonstrate where the pain is. Um, and a lot of times she can maybe she can determine, whether or not a doctor's visit is warranted or oh that's shin splints i know what that is you know and and Mm -hmm. this is what we we know we need to do for shin splints so if it's something like that um that's easily you know detectable from a non-doctor person then we can kind of handle that within the house but if it's if it's something that seems a little bit more um ongoing or complicated then of course we're gonna and I think that once the parent sees that the d- ballet director is taking you know a very close look at it then they, they kind of realize and the mm-hmm. parent doesn't want to be to have the kid you know sitting every week when they're you know sending them to dance right exactly yeah but that that you're right that does happen sometimes the parents are just like she'll be fine she'll be fine Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right I have and rest and she'll be fine well well it's been three weeks so right exactly so um,
1: once we've established that the injury is legitimate and we know what the injury is and what the guidelines are um, we need to um, kind of set up a plan with the student We've had a we had a situation recently where one of my older dancers, she dances three hours on a Wednesday night. She has jazz, then ballet, then tap, and she was dance she's allowed to start easing back into dance. She's been injured for throughout the summer. She's allowed to start easing in. She would do the jazz class and then by ballet she was exhausted. So she wasn't doing ballet. And the ballet teacher, who's new and doesn't know her work ethic, was like, hmm, isn't this interesting that she's, you know, every time I'm here to teach a ballet class, she's sitting. So um, what we realized was she was legitimately just wearing herself out in the jazz class. It wasn't that she didn't want to do ballet. So what we ended up coming up with was she'll do the, you know, the first half an hour or the warm ups of jazz and then sit and then do the first, you know, the bar and then sit, and then maybe do the tap warm up, and then sit, so that she's doing all three styles, but only the you know the warm up exercises for each class, and she's not overexerting herself and exacerbating the injury. So I think it's important that um, together the teacher and the ballet dir- the ballet director and the um, parent and the dancer. It needs to be a group effort. You know, we had a group email going, there was conversation about, you know, what we think is the best um, strategy. So it wasn't just us kind of making mandates and determinations. We were literally in a cooperative conversation with everyone involved to come up with a plan. And then once the plan is designed, stick to it and then reevaluate it in a couple weeks and see how we're going.
0: Yeah, and I think that reevaluation is so important, keeping the line of communication open between the student and the parent and the teacher and the studio owner and, you know, potentially looping in the physical therapist or the, you know, or the doctor as well. And just making sure that everybody's on the same page is, is really important.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, another thing that you might want to consider is um, what are we doing with the student when they are sitting and observing? Uh, it should be a situation where the, the student is just kind of zoning out on their phone, um, on the sidelines. We want to make sure that they're actively engaged in the class mentally. So some things that you can consider are um, Casey, I know you have a form that you give to seated dancers, and they that kind of keeps them engaged. They have to fill out a form that maybe has some questions on it, um, that things that they need to look out for, and you know answer some questions throughout the class.
0: Yes, I. I do have a form. Um, It's geared more towards older dancers, so it wouldn't necessarily be appropriate for like, you know, your six to eight year olds, your nine and nine to 12 year olds, maybe like 13 and up. Um, But it's definitely been helpful for, you know, that rare occasion when a student is, you know, they've got a really bad headache and they need to sit out or, you know, they, they had a root canal that day and they can't dance um, or they're injured or for, for whatever reason. Um, and I will share that form in the membership group. So if you are a part of the DSO Connect member vault, keep an eye out in the Facebook group. I'll post that in there. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, some other things that you can do with the dancers when they're sitting is if you have um, – Foam rollers, or lacrosse balls, or Therabands available, or um, what is that incline board, the calf stretching board? Or we have all kinds of things around the studio that dancers who are seated, or even before or after class, can just grab and you know work out some some areas. It's important that we teach them how to do that, however, so that they're not, you know, foam rolling on their spine or or, you know, doing things incorrectly. So, again, that's that can be something that you do in your injury prevention, you know, portion of your curriculum, Um, maybe teaching them how to use these things so that when they do have issues, they can listen to their body and, you know, grab a piece of equipment that they know can kind of, you know, help out a little little work something out.
0: Yeah. Another thing to consider is the nature of the injury when they're sitting out. Um, So if their leg needs to be elevated, maybe get them some yoga blocks or a chair. If, you know, if um, if it's a shoulder or a neck issue, you don't want them sitting on the floor hunched over a notepad taking notes. So, you know, get them a chair. If you can get them like a little table or a small desk or something, just to make sure that they're not exacerbating the problem by sitting and observing class right you might want to make sure that you
1: have ice packs at your studio
0: definitely a variety of sizes and shapes of ice packs very important my freezer is stocked yeah that's a great (laughs) tip
1: and then if the if the doctor has recommended that they say take ibuprofen every so often every so many hours um you want to make sure that they are doing that while they're at the studio for extended periods of time you know um i'm not saying that we should be administering medication but we should they should you know just kind of remind them or make it Mm -hmm. make make sure that i I don't know what you're gonna do reagan take your ibuprofen (laughs) right exactly yeah because (laughs) just to remind them we're basically the parent in the adult in the room while they're at our studio for four four hours or all day on a saturday so um that could be something that we just kind of make make them aware of Yeah, for sure. For sure. So the next thing is what happens when we have a performance coming up? And Mm -hmm. now we've got not only a physically injured dancer, but in some cases a dancer who's going to be in the mentally feeling the effects of this. You know, maybe you. Yeah, really, really bummed out. Bummed out, (laughs) down in the dumps. Um, yeah, this, this will really affect dancers if it's a long-term injury or a recurring mm-hmm. injury that they can't seem to get past. So we want to be very cognizant of that and um, we, want to, we want to make sure that their head stays in the right place, especially with teenagers, and we want to help them feel engaged and valuable at the studio, make them feel like they still have a reason to come because mm-hmm. ultimately we want them to heal. Physically, we want their head to be in a good space mentally. And then when this whole journey is over, we want them to to thrive
0: at our studio. We want them to not have fallen off the track. Exactly. Yes. I will say one thing from personal experience. If you have a dancer who is injured, who was cast in a specific role for a production, um, be careful about the way that you go about replacing that dancer. and be careful about things like changing choreography to make it so, so personal story. I was um, cast as the White Rabbit when we did a ballet production of Alice in Wonderland. And I was super excited about it and very pumped. Um, and then I shattered my tailbone, not just broke my tailbone. I shattered my tailbone <laughs> and I couldn't dance at all for a long time. Um, and so I, they brought in a former student who I think at the time was a professional dancer and then the choreographer changed the choreography to make it much more challenging and it made me feel like shit because I was like oh my god I was um you know like limiting the choreographer's vision because I can't do what she actually wanted to the choreography to to be (laughs) so I would I would also say like so be careful about how you replace replace character roles, but also involve the injured dancer in the process, um, you know, make because they feel some sort of responsibility and ownership of that role, no matter how long they've been working on the production, they feel that sense of ownership. So I would say involve them in the, maybe you pick the replacement dancer, but involve them in the coaching process, involve them in the... Um, You know, in the in the coaching of the character development and the acting involved in that in that role so that they feel like they're still involved. That's a great tip. And
1: I never knew that about
0: The White Rabbit (laughs) because I was the studio owner when that
1: happened. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm the one that called in Kevin Shannon to do the role and I thought it was awesome which was a which was a great choice and he did a wonderful job but I felt like crap about no, it no <laughs> and I didn't know that so good point right. that the studio owner may not think that that mm-hmm. is even an issue and then you know the 15 year old isn't going to speak up about it maybe they don't even realize no. what they're feeling Right, exactly. And the next thing you know, you know, nobody fixed anything because nobody talked about it.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs>
1: until, 30 pod- until 30 years later on a podcast. Until 30 years <laughs> later <laughs> on a podcast. I'm sorry, Casey.
0: Oh it's- no, it's okay.
1: I got okay. over it.
0: Um and your tailbone's okay? My tailbone is okay. It's not really there anymore because it's just like bone fragments floating around in my ass, but <laughs>
1: Oh, okay next I can sit moving down on. and I can dance yes Good. moving on okay so we, we we have a performance coming up the student has been looking forward to it rehearsing really you know very disappointed that they're not going to be able to dance in the performance how are we going to keep this child showing up at the studio regularly with a with their head in the right place feeling like they still have some sense of purpose and mm-hmm. allowing them to participate in the perform in the production or the event um, in a way that's meaningful.
0: So what are some ideas that we have? Well, first of all, you definitely want to get that dancer on stage at any any moment that you possibly can. So at the final bows, at the beginning of the show, maybe they can give the opening remarks of, you know, turn your cell phones on silent and all that stuff, um, you know, involve get them on stage if, if at all possible. Yeah. The bows are
1: super important.
0: Absolutely. Like
1: to have a dancer come out on crutches at the end. And, you know, most people know the story behind that. That's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's like one of your seniors or one of your upper level dancers that everyone knows and knows how, how traumatic this whole experience has been for them. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a very important one.
0: And if you can modify choreography to help to have them participate, then do that. You know, maybe they, um, you know, maybe they're in the back line and don't do a whole lot of traveling. They're just doing stationary movement, and they're kind of the anchor of the dance or something like that. So if yeah. if if at all possible, get them on stage.
1: Mm-hmm. Or maybe there's a part um, in the crew that they. Depends on the kid. Like maybe the kid is like secretly wanting to be a lighting designer and she can shadow the lighting designer. Mm -hmm. Or maybe she wants to, you know, has an interest in costuming and she can help your costume person, you know, put some accessories together or something. Fi- have a conversation with the student and find out wh- what they would be interested in doing. We don't want to exacerbate the whole situation by giving them some job that just makes them more miserable. Right. Like, I don't want to fold programs and stuff inserts
0: inside of them. Like Right. We don't want <laughs> to they- feel like we're just putting them to work for the sake of putting them to work.
1: Right. But find out where where they are interested in helping.
0: Yeah, and, and and that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity to educate them about all the different roles and all the different pieces that go into putting a production together because maybe they don't really know about lighting design. Maybe that's something that they've never thought about, but now that they're injured and, and you tell them about this opportunity, maybe now they get excited about it.
1: Right. And God forbid the injury, you know, is. The, God forbid that the injury is long-lasting chronic to the point where they you know for older kids that are maybe thinking about college you know that could be devastating to think that I'm not going to be able to work in this field but to remind them that you know even if you do have an injury that prevents you from dancing professionally you can still work in this field you can still work in this industry what other avenues are, are appealing to you and let them try some things out right exactly you could have them working as a class mom backstage Mm -hmm. or even assisting a class mom Um, a lot especially if this particular student is in your leadership program or a student teacher they might really want to be like the mother hen backstage to their students and they could get a lot of satisfaction from helping their little ducklings backstage you know get glittered up and you know cheer them on before they go out and high five them when they come back. I mean, that could be, and that's something that maybe they wouldn't normally have the opportunity to do mm-hmm. when they're so busy getting themselves ready for their
0: next performance. They um, could even be an assistant stage manager backstage. They could, you know, maybe under, like be trained to call the the cues for the show. And then maybe at some point take over on a few numbers when the stage manager needs to be, you know, setting a piece during tech rehearsal because they're also one of your teachers.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so many things that we can do to engage our student back, students back. Yeah, for sure. Something a little bit outside of the box that we've been doing recently, um, since I now have a um, social media manager who has brilliant ideas. Um, she, Santina recommended that we have our injured dancer do a, an Instagram stories takeover. Um, it wasn't our big recital. It was, um, some of our older, in Philadelphia to, um, perform in a dance festival. And we had Reagan, uh, do a, an Instagram stories takeover. So the first, this was a, her, our first time doing it and she's 15. So we said, do you know how to do this? Are you into it? She said, she'd love to, she totally could handle it. And, um, what ended up happening was we didn't give her enough guidance. So. While it was good, we realized at the end of it that we could have done things a little bit better. So when we had our Freedom Fest, then you know a couple of weeks weeks later, we gave her actually um, a got a document with specific instructions, and this was fantastic. It was like. You know, there needs to be a minimum of five posts, they should be some video, some photographs, start with an introduction, you know, at the start of the day, the story should take us on a journey from, you know, we're getting ready to we're backstage to, um, you know, actual clips of the performance and then some, you know, afterthoughts as well. Um, we talked about making sure that you tag the other people that are in the post, uh-huh. um, you know, to extend your reach, and to also, um, you know, if there's other performers at this event, make sure that you kind of tag them and get them, you know, involved in the in the social media love. Uh, make sure that you're using any hashtags that the event is trying to promote. Um, and anyway, once we gave her all of these guidelines, the second time she did it, it was fantastic. She followed all the all the suggestions, and it was like, wow, all we needed to do was spell it out for her, and she was into it, and, and it was fantastic.
0: And now you have all those guidelines for the next time you do a student takeover on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. And
1: hopefully, I mean, not that I want anyone to be injured. So hopefully that, you know, hopefully you don't
0: have to use that. Or maybe it's just like a fun thing that you do every once in a while. But yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. So um, what else do we have on our list? Um, Well, we also want to make sure that um, we talk about the importance of finding a reputable and knowledgeable physical therapist or sports medicine specialist in your area that has experience working with dancers. Mm -hmm. And if, and that way you can refer your dancers to this person and feel confident that they're getting adequate care with the knowledge of what it is that they do so many hours a week, because so many, so many dancers get injured and then go to a PT and the PT says, Oh, well just don't bend your right knee. Like, well, that's not, (laughs) that's not going to work for me. I can't just do one-legged plies. So (laughs) Right. Um, So, if you you know do some research, you know call people around, call around, see if you can you know get coffee with one of these people, or you know visit their office and see what they're doing, and they will be happy to meet with you if you're going to refer patients to them. Absolutely. Another thing is if there if you find literally no one in your area who specializes in dancers. Find a sports medicine specialist who is willing to learn Mm. and you can partner together to, um, you know, find training programs for them that they might be interested in to just have them observe your classes so that they can watch the dance process and watch what a dance class entails and that you can educate them about how many hours a week these children are training all of these things so that they can have some amount of context for when they're treating your, your dancers
1: yeah that's a really good point point. and if there's if they are motivated by the referrals they're probably they're going to be very willing to learn about mm-hmm. working with dancers Yep, absolutely wow that's a lot that was a lot yeah hey and one other thing when i was designing my building i i thought about doing this and i and i didn't do it um but if i found the right space i would do this um in my building so if you have a room that's too small for a dance studio like maybe the mm. size of an office or something you could even kind of set up a, like a warm-up room or like um maybe one mirror and one bar and all your foam rollers and your um you know straps and yoga blocks and You know all the things that a a dancer could use to warm up cool down or do some therapy when they're Mm -hmm. injured and it doesn't have to be a whole dance studio it could be just you know that small room that's too small to be a dance studio and you don't need it for an office Um, it would be a real asset to your dancers if they had a space where they can just go and and kind of focus without a lot of distractions on doing what they need to do to their body either in preparation for class or as a cool down
0: or whatever absolutely absolutely i love that idea if only we all had a spare room in our studios Yeah,
1: and if you don't <laughs> just make sure that those those things are available
0: to the dancers right so
1: they know how to use them
0: exactly yeah for sure for sure all right well i feel like that was those were some good ideas
1: well hopefully that's uh going to be helpful to our listeners and again as always if you have other ideas that we didn't cover um share them with us we want to hear your ideas as well
0: yeah so go into the DSO connect community group on Facebook just search DSO connect community make sure that you answer the questions to join and uh jump in on the conversation yeah
1: awesome yay
0: all right so Robin what's your heart happy moment this week well, on Sunday,
1: I got to see, I always talk about my kids and my grandbaby, but really that's, um, that's what's I mean, going on.
0: that's your, that's your world,
1: isn't it? What like, is I mean, on. come on. Oh, I know. I'll talk about something else. So my son, Brendan, who went to college, he's a, he's a person of few words. So if I text <laughs> him, I'm like, how's it going? It's like, good. Fine. How's college? fine. Like, you know, you kind of really have to draw it out of him. So the other day I got him in a rare moment on the phone where he just decided that he wanted to talk and Aww. actually offer up information and um he is, i'm i'm delighted to report that he is enjoying college Yay. um he's making lots of friends he admitted that i was right when i said <sighs> you should live on campus and knock at your own apartment because you'll meet more people apparently mm-hmm. like on the third floor of his dorm there's pool tables and tvs and sofas and video games and arcade games and he said every night it's like a party going on out and he's just meeting lots of people. I was like, see, you wouldn't have had that if you were in an apartment. He's like, yeah, you're right, mom. And, um, he's in, he's making friends. He's, um, doing well in his classes and yeah, so it made my heart, my mom heart happy to hear him volunteering the information and also just, you know, after that delayed launch, finally, uh, He's he's doing it. So. Yay. Good for him. That's
0: fabulous. Yeah. Nice. How about you? Um, let's see. So I have a student who is returning from uh taking last year off due to COVID. So she, her last season was the 2019 to 2020 season. She is 9 years old and um so the last time I had her she was 7 and I had recommended her to join our accelerated program at the end of the last season that she danced in and so when she signed up for classes for this season her mom asked if she could join the accelerated program and i said well it's going to be a big challenge for her after taking a year off there's always a a difficult transition between the recreational program going into the accelerated program and it'll be doubly hard since she's taken a year off so i just want her to be prepared for that um, and her mom was like, "Oh yeah, I think she's ready for the challenge," and yada yada yada. And I was like, "All right." And I offered all kinds of accommodations. I said, "If you, if she gets overwhelmed or is starting to feel frustrated, you know, we want to talk about that." And I'm happy to do private lessons with her to help catch her up and help her feel more confident and this, that, and the other thing. And so, you know, we had like talked about it. Um, and after her very first class, the first week back. She mom said that she got in the car after ballet class and just started sobbing because it was so overwhelming. Meanwhile, the ballet teacher said that she did a fabulous job and fits in perfectly well with the group. Um, and so the mom was asking about switching back to the recreational program. And I was like, well, let's not let's not jump to that solution just yet. And so I convinced her to give it another try and to come in and have a sit down with me um, and just talk about, you know, what the expectations were and you know what we see in her that make us feel confident that she will succeed in this program. and um, and she's doing great. So, oh,
1: that's I know.
0: Yeah, so I think she's she's still not like officially decided if she's going to stay in the accelerated program, but I think it's looking that way. She she took some of the recreational classes last night just to try them out, and then she takes more of her accelerated classes tonight to to compare. Um, but she said she had a fabulous time in ballet on Monday and um, really really enjoyed it. So hopefully that means that. We've boosted her up enough to help her, you know, not feel overwhelmed and help her gain some confidence in class. So, yeah.
1: That's really great to hear because I've been sensing a lot of parents um, coming out of, you know, last year, having this attitude of, we're just going to take it easy and no pressure Mm -hmm. and we just want to enjoy life. And, And I'm like, what happened to, I want my kid to be great at something?
0: right i want my kid to
1: work hard and be pushed.
0: yeah i want my kid to be challenged right
1: yeah so i'm hoping that you know more and more parents will get back on that you know i don't know like aspire for more as opposed Mm -hmm. to we need to be very delicate ease back in take it easy don't push too hard kind of mentality i'm ready for people to start grinding again like you know yeah. let's do the work let's let's be the best we can be yeah you know and stop making excuses so anyway hopefully hopefully we're we're walking in that direction
0: yeah i think so yeah. i mean fingers crossed we'll yeah. see
1: well good for you casey i'm glad to hear that
0: thanks and really i really good- i really like doing that kind of problem solving where like mm-hmm. you know the the parent and the student and i have conversations together and come up with you know a couple of different options for plans to move forward and then you know we talk about the different scenarios and I can kind of boost them up and I I really like that part of my job
1: I do too you're yeah right that's yeah I like figuring out those problems
0: yeah me too me too All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode. We will be back next week with another episode of the DSO Connect podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and to join our Patreon where for just a little bit of money, you get a bonus episode and a shout out. We will shout you out for our appreciation of you if you join our patreon so just go to patreon.com slash dso connect that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash dso connect to become a supporter all right well thank you robin have a wonderful rest of your day and we'll see you all next week bye all right bye